Electricast. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save $1 each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Robert Sacred Paglia to the show today. Award-winning actor, producer, best-selling author and attorney. After 15 years as a successful certified workers' compensation specialist and attorney in the areas of personal injury, real estate and entertainment, copyright law, trademark law, while flipping through an adult education magazine, Robert stumbled across an advertisement for a voiceover acting course. Having always been intrigued by acting and driven by curiosity, Robert decided to enroll in the course. At this time, websites advertising voice acting gigs were just beginning to pop up. So voice artists could easily audition and do voiceover jobs from home. And Robert found it easy to find work. He landed his first voiceover gig working with PBS and American Experience Hygiene. Robert quickly began to be offered more work and was afforded the opportunity to work with some of Hollywood's biggest companies and stars, such as Music and Lyrics, his first film, and Disney's Enchanted. In 2012, Robert starred in the Super Bowl's viral Chevy commercial, Happy Grat which has been featured every year since on CBS's Super Bowl's Greatest Commercials. The same year, after receiving questions from aspiring voiceover actors all over the world, Robert decided to combine his law background and voice acting experience and wrote his first book, Voiceover Legal. The book covers all the legal aspects of becoming a voiceover actor, from starting a business and establishing an LLC to the proper contracts required to work as a voice actor. It also covers some of the basics of the business-like agents and performance unions, such as SAG-AFTRA. Just two years later, his book was the number one bestseller in Amazon's entertainment law category. Today, Robert has a production company, Bel Air Productions, that has three short films and have brought home a combined 75 awards and counting, which are running the festival circuit and are available for streaming on Amazon Prime and other platforms. Robert has appeared in Off-Broadway Productions, on national television and in major feature films many times. It's a great pleasure. I welcome Robert to the show. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. 
I, I love your background. First off, being an attorney from Connecticut and doing your own thing there, but then also stumbling upon a voice acting school ad in an adult education magazine. Can you share that with us, that experience and how that transformed your life? Yeah, sure. I mean, they have they give adult ed classes, various school systems around here. I think I took mine in Wilton, Wilton, Connecticut. And, you know, I was just looking through the magazine and looking through the, uh, you know, see what uh, I had taken a golf lesson, you know, golf course a couple of years prior. So I was just flipping through it to see what they had. And I saw the, uh, the Adam for, um, description of for voiceovers. So, you know, basically just said, you know, have you ever wanted to hear your voice on the radio or TV and, you know, it's, it's doable. And, you know, so I was like, I'll, I'm going to go try this out and see, see if, uh, see if it's real. Not only did it turn out to be real, I, I loved it. You know, I, I, it's, I took that class and I went and took more classes and then I got a demo done and, then I uh, started running with it and you had just read in my, my bio there that my first, I got my first gig on the PBS American experience. And that was at uh, Broadway sound down in the, in Rockefeller center, New York city. That's where they do all the, the post for uh, Saturday night live. That's where they do what all their sound. Like for you? I just, I have to ask because from hearing you say that and describing it, I have to imagine that had to be quite of a, a life altering experience for you to realize that, you just decided to stumble across this ad in a magazine. And next thing you know, you're taking some courses. And then after that, you're on PBS American Experience. Yeah, it was like all within, uh, within about three months. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it, it was just like you said, it was a life altering experience. And it was it kind of validated, you know, because I still, you look at a adult ed magazine and you, you know, you take these courses and you're spending money for them and things. You, you, you got that in the back of your mind that maybe, maybe it's someone taking you or it's a scam. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. when I got the job, I was like, Hey, this is it's real. And, you know, and then of course, you know, when you're first starting out and the acting profession, especially you're sitting there, you doubt yourself. You're like, am I good enough for this? And, you know, uh, can I do this? Do I have so, what it takes? Like, Do I have what it takes? Yeah. So it all, it, all of that, you know, getting that job validated all the, got rid of all those doubts. From there, I just it was able to 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 springboard and do all those other things that you mentioned. You know, to where I am today. It was not only a life altering experience; it was you know, it was one of the best. I'll never forget it. You know, as a memory, I'll never never forget. It was a great experience. Period. When you first got into doing the voiceover, did you find that for you it came natural, or was it something that you had to put extra effort to work on for your own abilities? And how did that shape your progress in what you've achieved to date as a voiceover actor? The voice part's natural. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, like everyone says, oh, you got a great voice. You should try to you know, be a voiceover artist kind of thing. So that part's natural. But the acting part of it, you know, the skill part of it, that was by far the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Much harder than law school. Much harder. Because <laughs> law school... You can, you can read books and you can analyze things and you can come up with answers, you know, with your brain. If you try to use your brain in acting, you're dead, dead right out of the gate. So you got to unlearn like all how you learned your whole life, but thinking with your head and you have to learn how to get the emotion and the feeling out without, you know, without trying to think about it. Cause if you think about it, then it becomes mechanical and, and it's not natural. So it, it's something that, I mean, you have to be natural on camera and, or in front of a voiceover microphone. So, but the, the key is being natural without thinking about being natural, like just have it, have it happen, you know, that, and that's what you learn constantly. 
as an actor or voiceover artist. And it's something that you continue to learn because every time there's a different type of part or a different character, it's different emotions. It, it, there's different things involved with it. So one of the things you're doing as a voiceover artist or an actor is learning about yourself. You're learning about what your strong suits are and what, you know, what your weaknesses are. And then you're, you're, me as an actor, I guess any act that really loves the craft, I try to find those parts that I'm weak at. And, you know, those are the ones that I want to, yeah, I want to go take those to my class and, and work on them and then do a film with it. And so that, yeah, I get my, improve myself and expands your skill set. What would you suggest to someone in our audience who's sitting on the couch <laughs> listening to this podcast interview and they're wondering to themselves, you know, I've been told I have a voice that can maybe work for me or maybe advance myself, but I've never considered doing voiceover acting. What step would you say for that person to consider or what steps should they take to advance themselves and look into this seriously? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like I mentioned, the voice part, I mean, that's kind of the baseline. Like, you're not going to be a voiceover artist and you don't even have to have a good voice, but you have to have some kind of uniqueness to your voice, have a little niche that you fill. You know, like... I know voiceover artists you know, that their voice is never developed. So they have like some disease where their voice, so they talk really high. So they do great animation. So you don't necessarily need to have a great voice. What you do have to have is you have to be able to, you have to be natural. So that's the acting part. You have to be able to take a, a piece of copy, analyze it, figure out who the audience is, and then figure out how you're going to deliver the message in a natural way that's not just reading off the page because what happens is you know when you first start you just read off the page and you know when you're reading it's like it's all it's all yeah it's all the same rhythm and you can tell someone's reading you know and that's absolutely the opposite of what you need to do as a voice actor you need to pull those lines off the page and make them come sound like they're coming off the top of your head and there's some that's someone else's words. So they may, you may have scripts that are stupid or, you know, not that stupid, but there's not well written and you still have to make them sound natural. So, you know, but what people really need to do is they need to take classes. They need to take, unless they're, they're God given ability, which I haven't seen anybody you, that has this ability without at least cultivating a little bit. You need to be able to take words off the page and make them sound natural. So that's, that's what, what classes are all about. That's what you learn. Is there an acting school that you recommend to the audience that they should look at or a type of acting school for voice acting? There's voice coaches out there. I'm of the theory that acting classes are the best. So I, my acting coaches are, are um, Caroline Thomas and Tom Totteroff. Those are my teachers. And then one, so I think you should get the acting chops first. So if people have acting background, then they can go to a voiceover coach. But if you don't have the act, if you're starting from scratch, I, I recommend, because acting is acting is acting. Like it doesn't matter if it's voice. It doesn't matter if it's on stage, film and TV. Those are different techniques as an actor. But the main thing that an actor does is take that character and portray the emotions of that character and be natural. And that's, so that's, you have to learn that first. And then you can refine, like there's techniques about how, you know, just stand behind your microphone and there's all those techniques that you can learn that's specific to voiceover, you know, but you're still learning the acting as you're going. Like when you're doing voiceover scripts, if it's a commercial, say it's, you know, it's going to be a little different than doing um, a film. 
which may be a little more emotionally in depth. Hopefully it is, but you know, there's, so you're going to learn too from in each genre. And that's why, that's why it's like when you take the acting classes, it's, it's good to, it's good to take classes in whatever genre you want to do. So like, if you're going to take acting classes and you want to be a voiceover artist, then you would get a voiceover coach to refine what you've learned acting wise, specifically for voiceover. So, and then theater and film and TV, like they're all different. They're all different techniques. So they're all things. If, if that's what the person wants to get into, then they should take classes in those areas. So, and I do all of them. So, I mean, it's, they all, they're all, they all have their, their uniqueness and they're all, they, they all keep me on my toes because they're, they're all different. So it's not like, it doesn't get, ever get boring. I was going to ask you if you could share with our audience music and lyrics and how that experience was for you when you first started out. Oh yeah. That was actually music and lyrics was my first film after I did that PBS show. So, you know, as I started in the business, I started to meet a lot of other voiceover artists and actors, because especially in New York city, I'd met a manager and she suggested that I get, just hey, get, go get your headshot done and send them in and see what happens. So I, I did, I got my headshots and I sent them in and I got picked to do music and lyrics background. So it was a two day gig. Uh, it was Hugh Grant, Drew Barrymore, Brad Garrett, and Kristen Stewart. Those are the four main actors in that. And uh, so I was in the reunion scene. So, and I, I actually made the final, <laughs> I actually made the final I was on camera, which is a big deal when you're a, a background actor, if you get it, get into a scene. You know, and it was just great experience just being able to watch people like that perform and how they how they approach their craft. And that was when I was first starting. So, you know, I I didn't know a lot back then. So now looking back, I see I could see, you know, remembering I, I see the techniques they were going through. And it, it means more to me looking back now than at the time. But it was funny because um, <laughs> I remember. I did the the shoot for music and lyrics and, you know, as a background actor, you, you don't know anything, you know, you, you do, don't even get to see the script. So you just do your thing tell them that you do what they tell you to do. And then you go home, you never know if you make the final cut or anything. Right. So, so I'm, I'm sitting there um, at a, uh, a relative's house for a new year's Eve party. I'm, I'm on the kitchen and all of a sudden everyone's going screaming in the other room, Dick Clark, Rock and Eve's on everyone's screaming. Oh, you're on TV. And I'm like, what the heck? And I, I go in there and I, I guess I made the, I made the trailer. Like you can see me clearly in the trailer for music and lyrics that they played it out. They played it that, that night, uh, you know, before midnight. So New Year's. <laughs> yeah, it was, so I found out not only did I make the final cut of the film, I made the trailer and wow. it was on New Year's Eve. So it was pretty cool. It was, it was a good thrill. Did that help you advance your career further from there that you wound up doing Disney's Enchanted sometime after that? Yeah, it, it did. Both of those experiences, again, validated that I'm headed in the right direction and that this is something I can do. Shortly after that, uh, it was a few months after, I was working for a firm, a law firm. I'm, I know you can relate to this. So yeah. working 60, 80 hour weeks. Lawyer you know, prison? Uh, I call it. Uh, <laughs> like, well, yes, absolutely. 1000%. Lawyer prison, yes. And, you know, I was not liking my job much at all. I was stressed out. And, you know, it was just, I definitely wanted to do the acting, the voiceovers much more. As, and I was just starting I'm gonna to do I'm going to ask it. you that next. So, so I had already used up all my vacation 
it was like March of 20, 20, 2006, March of 2006. I already used up all my vacation for the year because I was doing, I was taking days off, half days off to go to do auditioning in New York city. And back then you had to really had to go into the city to do the auditions. Now you could do a lot more from, from home, but um, I had used them up and then I, I was sending my headshots out and I got an offer in to do uh, Disney's enchanted uh, for a third. It was a 13 day offer, 13 day background offer. And again, I didn't know, but that's a really rare thing. Like to get a contract for that long of a time for background is it's not, it's, it's very rare. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that, but I go home and I tell my wife, Hey, I got this, uh, look, I got the offer for this Disney enchanted background, but I, uh, I, already, I can't do it. I don't have any more vacation left. My wife said, quit that damn job. Like she knew how much I hated it. She's like, quit. This is a Disney film. You, you know, we can, you're never going to get another chance for that. It's like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And if you make the final cut, you know, you can show that to your, to our grandkids. So she was like, just quit that job. Go back out on your own. I had worked on my own prior to going, you know, going the whole firm route. Go back out on your own and do, you know, so pursue true. this. So she, all she said was, this was the one caveat. Just pay the mortgage. <laughs> Make sure we pay the mortgage. So, you know, she, she was letting me do what I needed to do, but obviously I needed to make money. So, which, you know, that, that wasn't, I had clients and stuff that I could take from the, you know, from the firm. So I was, you know, I was just going back on my own, basically. Another, that was an experience. That one topped music and lyrics. Like that was way up here, <laughs> you know, like music and lyrics is here, but that one was like way up here. You know, with Disney and <laughs> I mean, you're 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 making it i mean yeah no yes yeah. right and i think your wife recognized that i think it's so critical to have support of family members and loved ones and significant absolutely when you have your life passion you're deciding to pursue it and that was actually gonna be one of my follow-up questions is how are you able to balance being a lawyer while pursuing your acting career well that's how i did it i went back out on my own you know i didn't have a lot of clients but i had maybe 20 or 25 clients i was running space from a friend of mine who had actually offered me space before i took the firm jobs you know like 10 years prior or five years prior or whatever so i called him it was like the first call i made when my wife told me to quit and i was like hey bud you still got that office there and he's like yeah come come on so he gave me cases too so it was, i was able to make decent money doing that and still have the flex flexibility to be able to do the auditions because voiceover auditions a lot of those smaller ones are you can you can do from your home studio you could back then too so i was doing a lot of voiceover auditions, just recording them, you know, like at the end of the day and then doing the occasional on camera where I'd go in to do auditions or, you know, the, the job, the, the background jobs. So that, that's how I was able to balance it. And then, you know, just, it was just a matter of, I gotta, I need, I need to pay some bills. So I, I need to do some more legal work now. And you know what I mean? Like exactly. I was able to balance it where, where, where now it's like, now I, I kind of pick the best of all my, all the world's you know, and, out, and producing as well is taking off for me now too. So it's like, amazing. I pick the best of all three right now, right now. So. You're living a, you're living a, a life with multiple talents at the same time, which I think is amazing. And I, I admire that when you got to do the Super Bowl happy grad commercial. Yep. Abby, can you tell us about that experience? Cause that had to be, I mean, just hearing about it, it, it sounds amazing. And I'd love to yeah. hear it it's another one of those things, you know, like these, all, all these stories that you accumulate along the way, you know, like it's kind of just, it's a, a lesson how, like, if you just put your, keep your head down and go forward, you know, good things will happen to you. You know, that one, I had done a play 
an off-Broadway play with the actress who was in that commercial with me. Going to be a spec commercial for they were going to they were putting it into the London uh, a contest for Chevy to put into the London Film Festival. If it won, it would have played in London, right? So, so I, I get a text. I remember I get a text one day from the actress. The text said, "Will you will you be my husband?" <laughs> That's what the text said, and I was like. Jamie, you know I'm married, right? And she's like, "Yes, silly. I'm talking about in a commercial." So, so I said, "Sure, you know, send me the stuff." And I looked up the the writer's work. I had seen the stuff that he did, and I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. I want to be in this. I want to be in this commercial. This is a great script. He's done great work." So, you know, we went down there. It was in we shot it in, in um, Queens. It was like a half day shoot. You know, four or five hours. That was that. Got paid for that. Then all of a sudden. About uh, you know a month or two later, uh, we get e- an email from the, the writer saying, "Hey, not only do they love the commercial, they're going to put it in the Super Bowl contest." <laughs> so they pulled it from the London Mass Route 66 Chevy contest, and we ended up winning. <laughs> so then it it, uh, it aired on all the platforms back then, you know AOL, MSN, all those platforms, and then it aired on the Super Bowl. So, and then we, you know, we, we actually SAG contract for that because Tim Allen did the tag. So it had to become a SAG, you know, SAG commercial. And, you know, we made a lot of money and <laughs> we had it on a national spot on, on, uh, during the, the Super Bowl. So it, uh, you know, and that opened a lot of doors for me. It, uh, yeah, it was great. It was fun. And, and, you know, and, and you had read during my bio there in my intro that it, it had, it's basically been on every year on uh, the CBS greatest commercials. It's in the contest like every year. So what an experience. I mean, I, I, I smile thinking about it because a lot of times when people talk about their acting careers, they always talk about these having to deal with rejection, having to get slammed, you know, the door slammed in your face to know. Oh, I've had plenty, plenty of that. Plenty, plenty, plenty of that. That's what, part of the game. Yeah. It's part of the game. And how was it, how's it been for you? Like, I mean, you've hit some major successes. And you, the only yeah, the only way you're going to get the successes is by getting through ten no's, or if that you know, if that little, maybe a hundred no's to get the <laughs> the one success. So that's what I mean. That's what I was saying before. It's an example of you just keep your head down and keep doing what you're doing, and don't let things bother you. You you can get good things to happen, but you just you have to let it happen. Like yeah, a lot of actors, yeah, a lot of actors get so discouraged and they're like, uh, I don't want to do any more auditions. But you never know when that's going to be the audition that goes to the Super Bowl. Like, I didn't, how did I know that that four hours I spent in Queens was going to end up, you know, on the Super Bowl? How did I know that? Nobody knew that. So that taught me a lesson, too. You can't screw right. it. It's just life right. happens. <laughs> that, that, that taught me a lesson, too, is always do your best because you never know where your work's going to be seen. Like, always give 100%. You know, you never know where things are going to go after, you know, once they film you, you never want to know where it's going to end up. So you don't want to be, looking like you're, you know, you're, you're not giving hundred percent on camera. You know what I mean? You want it to, cause that can lead to other things and it does lead to other things. People see you and they want to, they want to work with you. That that's, that's the name of the game. So I'm going to ask you this from one lawyer to another. Why do you think there's a connection between acting and lawyer? Um, like I, I said, uh, I mean, it, the, the public speaking part of, of lawyering, that helps, but they are two separate things, right? I would say there's not much more than that. There are two separate things. Like you, 
the one thing between acting and, and the way that acting helps lawyering is making the connections. Like it's very important. You make connections with your counsel on the other side. You make connections with who's ever tried your case, judge judges, juries, commissioners. You make like that. It's the human elements that you're bringing that you need to bring. Reading yeah. a closing statement <laughs> on the pad is not gonna not gonna do any good. It's just, you know what I mean. You need to take yeah. those words off the page, bring them alive, and then that's that's how you're gonna the best chance of uh, making that connection and, and winning winning the case. So, you know, that part of course definitely definitely helps. I was trying to get the Connecticut Bar Association for years to let me do a seminar on acting and the law, and they let me do it right before COVID. So, I I actually taught taught a class using monologues and showing how doing monologues can help you closing statements and opening statements and how to be a better lawyer. Cause a lot of those techniques absolutely apply for, you know, to lawyers. That's where it ends because like lawyers think too much. Exactly. Thinking too much is going to kill you as an actor. Like you have to stop, you know, being an act, good actor where you're, you're, you know, getting into your character, memorizing your lines and forgetting, you know, once you memorize them, you know, not trying to pull them out of your, you know, they got to come out naturally. That's where lawyers run into problems is that they don't know how to turn off the, the brain and you got to turn off the brain. And that, that one took me so long to, to learn. And even, I mean, any, every actor has that problem every once in a while, including me, like every actor is in their head. So like whatever techniques you learn to get out of your head is what you need to be a good actor. But it's also, you know, it, those techniques also help as a lawyer. You know, a lot of those techniques getting out of your head or like meditating and things like that, or, oh. you know, relaxing. And that helps, that helps too. So as an attorney, the funny thing about being an attorney and an actor for me is like everybody in the law field, like all my legal friends, the judges, they, they know that I'm an actor and they refer to me as Rob, you know, you're the actor, right? Everyone in, in the, the acting field that I know, know me as the lawyer. <laughs> like that's Rob the lawyer. So it, it's hilarious. Like, I, but it's, it's a good niche on both. Though. It's a good in on both sides though. So I can relate to that in the sense of me doing the psychic stuff on the side after my grandfather passed away, I became a psychic medium. I was aware of it and being a lawyer in four Southern States in New Jersey doing hurricane stuff and not letting the public know, like not being open about being a psychic yet. And then doing the podcast, the podcast is what made me more public and open to my legal colleagues and you're right. It's like switching hats, right? You have to switch right. the hat with the legal hat. And so yep. what I do in my life is I'll just do the lawyer stuff during business hours and then the other stuff I do after hours. And I don't let them in any way bleed together because I always tell people there's no ethics rules for psychic attorneys and there aren't any ethics rules for actors and attorneys as well. Right. So separate. Yeah, no, I agree. I, they're definitely separate businesses for me, but I'm just talking about like the perception. Oh, yeah. Like perception's important. It's 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 entertaining, isn't it? When you have people who perceive you as one or the other, and you're actually right. both. And it's but it's usually the attorneys that perceive me as the actor, and <laughs> and the and and the you know the legal or the uh, actors and voiceover field that that know me as the lawyer. So, but they all know that I, they all they all respect that I do both, and, and they most of them know that I'm. I'm pretty good at both. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to, I'm knocking on wood here as I'm saying it, but you know what I, I mean? Understand. No, I get it. I get it hundred percent. I was going to ask you about voiceover legal. Cause I, I think it's great when you could take your knowledge and share with the masses and create a book. And I know yep. we talked about it in my intro, but I wanted to get into it. What motivated you to, 
to do voiceover legal. And how was it for you as an experience, put it together? The way this leads right into what I was talking about, the way that voiceover legal came about was because once my colleagues, my voiceover colleagues knew I was a lawyer, they would keep asking me questions. (laughs) Should I set up an LLC or should I be a sole proprietor? Should I join SAG or, you know, should I stay non-union? Do you have a contract that I can, I can have a form? Can I get sued at this? You know, those kind of, those are all those questions I would get. So I started writing them down, (laughs) writing them down, writing them down. And then each one of those questions became a chapter in the book. So I put it together and I, you know, I've been selling it since 2012. It's due for an update. I gotta, I gotta do the next edition because I gotta add some things to it. But it's, it's still like in the top 10. If you look at it any given time, it's in top 10 on Amazon for entertainment law books. And that was one of the reasons I just came back from a conference from Dallas. I just spoke down there uh, for, at, a, at a voiceover conference. And voiceover legal is one of the reasons why I, I speak. It's because I go there and I talk about legal issues. One legal issue that's going on right now is artificial intelligence and text-to-speech. That's a big one that's going on in voiceovers. And so that was one of the things I spoke about. But that's how the book came about. It was just came about because I saw a need for it because I, you know, I was getting tired of answering the same questions over and over again. So I'm like, buy my book. <laughs> you have such a unique perspective. And that's one of the things I want to do for my show is have really entertaining, notable people who can come on and share. Thanks. I mean, your whole career as an actor was launched from an ad in an adult education magazine. I love that's that. That's how it started. I know. Yeah, I, mean, I love uh, that. I mean, you did a lot more started. work after that, but that yeah, was, I, I busted my butt after that. I love that. <laughs> I love that kind of story. Cause that could be anybody. You no, it absolutely could be talent. Though. I'm not discounting anything, but exactly. Anybody that has the mindset can, can absolutely, they can do it. You know, and they can do anything in those actually the adult ed things. Cause they teach other stuff too. They teach, you know, pottery and photography and you know, anything they want to, they're interested in. They, they, if they really want to do it, they could do it. In case, Anyone in my audience has a curiosity. I know it's many years later. Do you know the name of the acting school itself that you took? I know you mentioned your coaches, but in case they wanted to look into acting schools, do you have recommendations based on your experience? And, and you mean the voiceover school? Yeah, voiceover school. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was such a voice. That was the name of the school that taught the class. So they're the ones I took a first, my first class from. Did my first demo with them. Such a voice. I can't even tell you that I, my appreciation and value for coaches. And people who work with others professionally to advance and help. Ever since I've done my podcast the last four years, I've gained such an, an increased appreciation of what coaching can do for somebody or what yeah. you know, getting helped in those ways. And I wanted to ask you, from your perspective, would you recommend having someone be a coach to you if you're if you're aspiring to do this kind of thing? Absolutely. I have I have a Caroline Thomas is my coach. I use her for all of my auditions. Whenever I get a part in a film. Caroline, <laughs> whenever I get an audition, that's, you know, a big one, Caroline, so like, I go over, Caroline. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right in the, right in the phone, contact direct to her. And she goes over it with me and you, you, you have to have a coach really to, to tell to advance your career. It, it all depends on, you know, there's different levels of coaches. So, you know, like such a voice more when I was starting out, Caroline is really advanced. Like she's taught a lot of big name actors. So that's where I am at this stage of my career. I need the little nuance. I, that's what I need the help with. I don't need stuff with the help with the basics anymore. I can do that myself, but I need somebody to dig down deep and help me with get the nuance out of the 
you know, squeeze everything I can squeeze out of a script because that's, what's going to get you the part. You know, you're going, I'm going up against other actors that are more experienced than me. Right. Or just as experienced as me. So the only thing that's going to make a difference is that little teeny nuance that I bring the little teeny spin that I put on the script. That's what's going to get me the part. It's kind of like, I, I compare it to like Olympics. The, what separates the first and third, like one tenth of a second, one one hundredth of a second. Sometimes, you know what I mean? It's it's exactly the same thing with acting. That's what that's what separates the person that gets the part from those that don't. And that's why it's just could be discouraging at times because actors we know we're talented. Well, if we're confident, we, we know we're talented, but you still might not get a part. And that's because it's because of something that's out of your control. You know, it's just, they liked somebody else. Somebody else put a different spin on the script. Whatever. So. I don't worry about that stuff anymore. I don't worry if I don't get a part. I do my audition and I'm off. If they like it, they like it. If they don't like it, oh well, I you know, I all that's but that's why I also go to Caroline. Cuz I know when I turn my audition in that it's the absolute be- my best work. So, like if I did a half-assed job or didn't give 100%, then I would beat myself up cuz or I, I just wouldn't submit it. You know what I mean? Like I, I if I know that I did everything that I could in my power to give my best performance, then I'm totally fine. Totally fine with it. And I move on. I'll have plenty more opportunities. So I move on to the next one. What about, what about joining a performance union like SAG after? Tell us yep. a little about that and its importance. Well, it's important if you want to do some, like it depends on what you want to do in your career. Cause there's plenty of non-union work out there and there's plenty of non-union work out there. So you can make a decent living, even a really good living. So you can make six figures, seven figures, even a non-union stuff, but an actor or a voiceover artist aspires to do some of the bigger things like animation and, and uh, Disney film, um, you know, some of the bigger video games or some of the, you know, like a Super Bowl commercial, or they want to be a series regular on TV then they have to get into the union somehow. So they need to do a union gig so that they can get the paperwork so that they can join. So it really just depends on where someone wants to go with their career as to whether or not they want to join the union or not. Because, you know, once you make that leap to the union, you're going to be leaving some non-union stuff behind and you're going to want to leave it behind anyway because, you know, union pay scale is much higher. So you're not going to want to do $100 gigs anymore you know once you make sure. that leap sure so joining the union is a to- it's like getting married <laughs> it's a really personal decision or anybody can only give you their perspective and their advice but it's it's a personal personal decision that every every actor or voiceover artist has to make at some point in their career are they going to stay non-union or they're going to go union so that's that's a that's a, a very valid point i i, I want to ask you this when you had a lot of no's, a lot of still, rejection, you still, still. get it. <laughs> yes. What do you do to get past the rejection of the no? You just don't take it seriously as much anymore? Your skin's been hardened? Or is no, it you have the confidence in knowing it's not about the no, it's about the next opportunity that you land where you will be the best fit? Correct. It's about, I know that I gave you my, I gave you my soul when I gave you that audition. And if you don't like it, that's fine. I'm not, it's not, it's not me. It's not, it's not internal. It's not personal. It's not me. It's they want something, something different. Um, so that's, that's fine. It's not in my control. Like I, so 
I may not have even been right for the part, right? So, but I do it anyway because I like it. It's something that uh, I connect with, so I do the audition. But it might not, it might not be something that fits me, you know, all around body type, you know, uh, too bald, whatever, you know, for <laughs> any reason. So, yeah, I know I Not more than me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's but that's what I'm saying. Like it could be any anything like that. That that you have no control over those things. But what you don't want, what you what I don't want as an actor is to be eliminated because of my acting. Like any other reason, but not my acting. You know what I mean? So so that's how I I just I know that I gave my best audition, and if I get called back or if um, I get the part, that I'm the right fit for it. Uh, If I didn't, then if I gave my best audition and I didn't get picked, it just wasn't the right fit. So that's how I started the production company. Actually, that's how that came about. about now I have much more control over my career now because I can pick scripts that I want to perform and I can produce films, TV shows, voiceover thing, whatever I want to do. I can, I can, I can control a lot more. How, how did you start Bel Air Productions and how have you found it to be a liberating experience for you in terms of advancing your career and your objectives? So I started it back in 2011 and I started it because, um, well, I was doing a, a lot of film and TV work as an attorney for years. You know, I've, so, you know, I've been representing voiceover artists. I'm representing filmmakers. They would come ask me to, you know, fill out SAG paperwork or do contracts or whatever. So that's how I learned the business. That's how I learned the you know, financing part of it. All. That, that's where I learned the majority of it. So one day back in 2011, I got offered a part. I got offered a lead in a three-minute short film. And it was a young filmmaker. I think it was his second film. And he obviously needed help. So I said, no, I'll help you, you know, you know, and then, so he's like, okay, I want you to be producer with me. So I said, okay, I'd be glad to. And that's when I created my company, Bel Air Productions. So I co-produced it with him. Um, and we, we won some awards, you know, it was a, two, it was a two minute thriller horror short film. And I played a pedophile killer. <laughs> <laughs> totally unlike me. Totally like you'd say that. I... <laughs> <laughs> totally unlike me. The film that's called "Her Name Was Samantha." It's actually on Prime. Anyone can go watch it. Her name's her name was Samantha, and it's about I, I uh, you know, it's implied that I kidnapped and killed her, and she comes back as a ghost and kills me. So <laughs> there's the film in it. Karma. In <laughs> Karma. Yes, exactly. So that was my first film. That got my feet wet because I started doing, you know, I we submitted that to a bunch of film festivals. We won some awards. So that's where I really started to meet a lot of people. You know, you know the other thing too, I, I hate awards. Like, you know what I mean? Like awards to me, they're, they're a pat on the a back that I, <laughs> exactly. It's like, I, I hate them. But on the other hand, they're a necessary evil because it, you know, people, when you get awards, you know, they, they want to, they want to be around you and talk to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want to meet you. They want to work with you. So it, it, it's, it's a silly thing, but it's, it gives you some validation so that you can start meeting other people. And that's what happened. I started to meet other producers, started to meet other filmmakers, started to meet financiers, you know, so I've been able to gradually build the production company. And I've got to, got a, feature that's two features that are being edited right now and i have a 
documentary that I did that, you know, it looks like uh, we got a, a good purchase on it. So, you know, that's how it liberated me. Well, I was able to pick the scripts that I wanted to not only produce, but I get some kind of part acting part in too. Like, so I would try to get scripts that where there was a, a an offbeat part for me, you know, something that, you know, like how many times can you be cast as a lawyer? <laughs> you know, like I get cast as a lawyer all the time, but I, I don't know <laughs> what you do in the living. <laughs> uh, come on. I, I don't need to be cast as a lawyer anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it, I'm totally pigeonholed that way, which is fine. It's fine. I have no problem with that. Pigeonhole me all you want. You know, if you're going to offer me a part, I'm fine with it. But I'm just saying like, in order for me to get out of that, that was how I had one of the ways to combat it. I was able to get parts that were not lawyers, you know, like serial killers or, you know, the grieving depressed dad. That was the short <laughs> film I just did. And I won a couple of best actors for that in a couple of film festivals. And then the film before that, Within and Without, we won a whole bunch of awards. And I played just a clueless dad. You know, so I'm a dad myself. So, you know, like in that film, I, my wife died and we were, I was trying to figure out how to grieve with the kids, but I was clueless. So that's not me. Like I, my wife's alive. We've been married 32 years. My kids are, you know, they're all well adjusted. So that was a part that I had, I had to dig deep and find some stuff, you know, to play. So that was the kind of parts I want. I don't, I want to, that's what I want to do. I don't want to just have a mindless your objection, your honor. You know, you know what I mean? I want to do something where I really have to dig deep into the, into the part, into the character. That's how I grow. That's how I get only way I can grow as an actor. I'll just share this with you. When I interview people, I pick up stuff. I know it's, a little, it's the uh, psychic side of me. It's a little departure probably from stuff you're used to or accustomed to. But I do think you're going to get involved with your, your production stuff a lot more in the future. And as you were talking just now, I got the word Madagascar. I know it's a place, it's a little island off of Madagascar. But there's something cool. with Madagascar. You're going to be involved with a Madagascar will be in the title of something or it's going to be in a production company or it might. it's not the actual physical place. I think gotcha. there's a name of Madagascar. It's a unique name, right? Cool. I'm, I'll look out for it. Jump off your energy. That's something you're going to do in the future and you're going to have a project involved with that. So I'll look out for that. I'll keep, I'll keep my eyes open. You know, I yeah. let people know when I interview them. That's something I just started to do a few months ago. Nice. Not hiding, you know, when you pick up information for somebody, why not let them know? And if something happens out of it, then. Yeah, I'm, no, I'll keep, I'll keep my eyes open. I'm karma and the universe are things I totally believe in because of, you know, all the things I'm telling you. I don't know how it works. I just, I go with the flow. I, you know, so. when we were, when we were talking before we started interviewing, you're like, yeah, how do you do that? Like you were asking me about spirituality a little bit. I didn't really get into it, but I have to tell you, I believe heavily in synchronicity. And for me, synchronicity is when you're in the right place at the right time, you get introduced to the right people, Absolutely. but yes. you also have your talents, your natural abilities, your, your drive. It's all the perfect storm in a way, but you work Correct. All, all the rejections that we didn't talk about as much because right. when you hit these big things, yeah, you probably have all these little filler rejections in the middle of that. And you were Tons probably of them. everything you're yeah. right with. But when we go back and highlight it, it sounds like, oh, wow, you went from point A, point B, point C, boom, Super Bowl production company. No, there was right. a lot more involved there. No, there was a lot, and there still is a lot. Right. And, and yeah. I, you know, and I, I, the way that I define success or synchronicity, as you put it, is it's when your talents and your work meets opportunity. And then that's where, you know, where, you become famous or whatever. So I'll say it like this where you have a spouse that'll say, I'm supporting you in your life dream, just make sure the mortgage gets paid. Like that is right there. Right. right. Like, no, absolutely. That would, none of this would have happened unless that. I got that support 
from, from family. I mean, that's, that's key. And then the funny thing is, so I'll tell you what my mom said. Right? <laughs> so that's what my wife said, quit your job, you know, do this. My mom was like, are you crazy? You'll, <laughs> you'll never do anything with that. That's what she said. You know what I told her flat out? Thanks mom. Now I don't have to invite you when I win an Oscar. <laughs> That's what I told her. <laughs> That's what I said. She was like, ah, but now see now she's, she asks her, you know, over the, now she sees what I'm doing. So, you know, obviously when I was on the Super Bowl commercial, it was a proud mom moment, but you know, so now she's like, when are you going to be on TV? When can I tell my friends at work, you know, where, where I can see you, you know, that kind of stuff. So I totally turned her around. <laughs> so the best like that. It's like my podcast. My mom doesn't pay attention to podcasts and I'll try to tell her about it. She's like, Oh, that's nice. That's nice. And Oh, what's going on with your law firm? <laughs> it's like, I'm doing exactly. I love doing right. Awesome. They get the worst, like they have the worst case scenario, right? Do their brain. <laughs> like she, like she thought I was going to run out to Hollywood and leave my wife and family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, that was what she got out of me. Wanted to be an actor. <laughs> so I want to ask you this. We're running low on time and I'm keeping track of that, but I want to ask if our audience wants to find you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you directly? Oh, uh, they could go to my legal website is Rob S C I G E S Q dot com. Or my acting site is Rob Paglia.com. That's my stage name. They can find me on it. All they have to do is Google me and you'll find <laughs> the 20,000 pages will come up, you know, on my IMDb. I can give you my phone number too, if you want that. 203-663-2803. That's my office line, 24 hours a day. You know, in the few remaining minutes left, I let's say someone lives in Tennessee and they're yep. in a small town and they're really interested in what we're talking about and they're excited about what we're talking about and they're thinking about their own goals. What type of advice would you give to someone who lives in, in not in an LA area or a large metropolitan area, but they're interested mm -hmm. in this? Well, voiceover that can be done anywhere, and it is done anywhere. And in fact, one of my good friends, who I just saw at the conference, is from Tennessee. So I help her set up her LLCs and help her with her contracts. And it, you can do voiceover from anywhere. So you don't need to be in New York or LA. So you can have a flourishing career sitting in the middle of whichever state we're talking about. It doesn't matter where you're located. Yes. And that, that's actually one of the beauties of doing voiceover is you can go away on vacation and you can still get your work done. You can, you, know, you can go anywhere you want. It's portable. So, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why so many people want to do voiceover because that's appealing to them. And even on camera now is getting less New York and LA based because now they're doing a lot of self tapes. So you can audition just setting up a camera and microphone and recording it and sending it off to wherever it has to go. You don't have to go live like you used to. Um, and of course, if you get the job, you'd have to go wherever it is. Um, but you can do a lot of auditioning right from, right from your, your house as well. So that's why I have my coach because I don't know, like I don't want to direct myself either. I, I want someone to give me some direction so she can help me that's great. direct, direct me through the part. So, cause you know, there is, there always is our things you're not going to, you can find everything in a script yourself, if this, depending on the complexity of it. But if it's a complex piece of material, you you, you know, two sets of eyes are much better than, than just mine. So makes sense. Makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Tell us about your current projects. Sure. There's a documentary called the final round. 
uh, we just interviewed Rick, Riddick Bowe and Michael Spinks and we're this close to getting Tyson. So we're hoping we'll be able to get him. That's about Robert Lee, who used to be the president of the IBF International Boxing Federation. And he was put up on trial for RICO back in the 90s. So the government convicted him, <laughs> pulled his, banned him from boxing for life. And basically because they wanted him to testify against Don King and he refused. So that's, we interviewed him, his son, uh, his lawyer, you know, Riddick Bowe. So that's one. And that one, we're almost done with it. So that's, that's a good one. I just shot a film called Hillsborough Road, 80 slasher that we got distribution for. So that'll be coming out next year. It, it's really cool. Just shot a uh, TV pilot called The Undesirable, Jason Muse. So uh, that's another one that's starting to get pitched. So those are my current projects. I've got a bunch of development, but those are the ones that, that are at the top of the, the ones that are active, getting ready to get out into the, to yeah. the world. So. The other thing I'll share with you, I feel like the next five years can be your most productive years. I'm not saying you're not going to have productive after that. I'm just saying that you're building up to the very strong period for yourself of, of creative production and creative license and the ability to collaborate in different areas that you haven't necessarily been involved with before. And that's going to benefit you in expanding your reach and doing what you're, you're very passionate about. So that's, that's good to hear. Yeah. I, I, I see that in just as you're describing these projects, I'm like, yeah, there's more coming, more coming. That's not just this. Yeah. I'll, I'll know that just from talking to you because I can feel the vibrational energy of what you're describing. And I, I can feel, I can feel it ratcheting up too. Like yeah, the budgets yeah. are getting bigger, the people are getting bigger. I, you I, may not I think feel you it. have intuition and all that, but everyone's got intuition and whether or not you choose to acknowledge it. My mom's 74. She didn't realize she had psychic intuitive abilities until she was 72 and she was on a flight with me. And I picked up on someone who sat between us and I read for that person. And my mom's like, I got everything you said. The point is, wow. we don't always understand our intuition, how it works. Right. Gonna, you know, you're aware of where you're headed. You know, well, actually, yeah. And actually, intuition is, is a huge talent for an actor. Absolutely. You so getting that in, like, that's the talent, like getting the intuition, you know, reading people. 100%. That's like, you need that in order to be a good actor. So that, that's something I've been working on. I've been working on that, you know, for, for 16 years. Because yeah. that's another one of those things where if you don't, if you're not conscious about it, you, you, you know, you're not going to learn anything. So like, that's what I think the key to success is being able to combine their passion and, you know, what they know really well. That's what I think, you know, like, so, uh, you know, a nurse who could do medical narration, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like combining that, that, that's what I think the key to happiness and success is. I want to ask you this as one of my last questions. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? Uh, spirit animal. I can go first. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I always say owl because I just believe wisdom is important and looking at things from a aerial point of view, 180, 360 kind of thing. I focus on wisdom. I always appreciate expanding my knowledge base. I've learned a lot from our interview today. Yeah, I can relate to that. I learn from anyone I interview and my audience learns from anyone I interview. And I just consider it such a blessing to have this opportunity. So that's why I say owl because I love wisdom. Great. I mean, I'll say owl too, because that's I'm definitely, I'm definitely. Yeah. You can say owl. <laughs> yeah. Wisdom is huge. I mean, what other spirit animals are there? Here, here's a little, yeah. You could pick any animal and you can. Assert, bear. Yeah. <laughs> I could be a, I could say I'd be a bear because I'm a, I'm not aggressive like a bear, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely go after what I want. So like, if I smell the, if 
I smell the picnic basket, I'm going after it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank Robert for coming on the show today. It's such a treasure to have somebody who has life experience that they can offer audience in such a unique way. I love to feature notable individuals. You can't get more notable than Robert's life experience and what he's done with his passion itself. It's combining your passion and your je ne sais quoi, doing everything you can to be passionate, enjoy what you do and leave an impact. I think that's what matters. And if you're an aspiring voice actor, check this episode out, contact Robert. Coaching is important. Look at people who know what to offer guidance and it's worth investing in yourself. Robert started out and he worked extremely hard for everything he did, becoming an attorney, becoming a workers comp specialist and and moving his path of what he's done. And it, it just happened to be interesting that he came across an ad in an adult education magazine that led him on the path that he's on, but he's worked extra hard to get there. And part of that is recognizing you know, things can fall in line with you sometimes, but you're also going to have to go and navigate past obstacles, past setbacks, and past certain people that might be naysayers, whatever it is. Stay positive. Keep an open mind. Force ahead. Put your nose to the grindstone. Just keep moving. I think that's what Robert was saying today pretty pretty clearly. If you, if you really focus and you align yourself with the right people and you have a goal and a passion, you really work hard at doing it, you can make things happen. And that's what I see from today's interview. I want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in-store, so you can save when you order during band practice, or at the dog park, or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum, restrictions may apply, subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast Networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.